Welcome to the Recovery from Relapse Workshop. My name is Scarlett, and I am a compulsive overeater and your monitor for this meeting. Hi, Hi, everybody. Good morning and welcome. Please join me in the serenity prayer. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Before we get started, we ask that all cell phones or other electronic devices be turned off now. We remind you that this session is being recorded. All speakers must sign this release form up here at the podium. To protect our anonymity, no photography, audio, or visual recording is allowed. If there is press in the room, please do not take any unauthorized pictures or identify anyone using their full name. The opinions expressed here today are those of the individual OA members and do not represent Region 2 or Overeaters Anonymous as a whole. OA members are reminded that when sharing to speak to your recovery in the program of Overeaters Anonymous only. The format for this session is as follows. We will have three speakers who will share for 20 minutes each, followed by three-minute open pitches until the end of the session. The topic for this session is recovery from relapse. The following is a reading from the pamphlet, A Plan of Eating. I had such a history of relapse that my sponsor said, if nothing changes, nothing changes. That meant drastic change in every area of my life one day at a time. My life was permeated by bad habits. Breaking bad habits can require lots of prayer and willingness. At first... Just driving past the restaurant or grocery store and heading for a safe place took every ounce of willingness I could muster. But every time I do that, it gets easier the next time. Just for today, I can do this. All of the power of the universe is behind every prayer. Every attempt to do things a little bit better today than I did yesterday. It really is a new day. I now know what works, and what doesn't. I can, for today, be kind to myself and my body. I can be my own best friend. Even if I am taking baby steps in the direction of my dreams, I will get there. Now I'd like to introduce our first speaker, who is Anna from Roseville. Hi, I'm Anna. I am a compulsive reader. You you need to come up here. (laughs) <laughs> oh, I gotta come up here. Yeah, Sorry. I don't think they'll be able to hear you very well. Well, I try. And <laughs> oh, look at them. They did that. Good morning. I'm Anna, and I am a compulsive overeater. Hi, Hi, family. It's good to be here. And I'm always honored to speak about things I know about. <laughs> and relapse is one of them I know about. So um, what I want to share, I got notes, but I'm kind of leaving it to God, whatever God has for me. I just hope that you hear something that you need to hear. Um, So my highest weight was 393 pounds, and I lost over, uh, well, I lost 233 pounds to begin with. And and I've been coming to... OA since 1997 slash 1998, and I got serious about 2001. 
and I didn't want to be here. I'd been at another program, and I don't want to be a newcomer again, basically. <laughs> but um, so I got notes. Like I said, I'm not going to go into my history as far as I had a lot of abuse. I was sexually and molested, and I was starved, and um, just a lot of abuse before I was three years old. And so um, that just set me up for multiple problems there. And um, also, I have pictures right there. And the other page is from the WSO Relapse Prevention Worksite. So you can see there's multiple suggestions on the two pages. If you want one, take one. If not, just pass it on. Okay. So... So my history is, um, so in 2001, like I said, I got pretty serious there, and I started losing weight. I went to a pay-and-way, and, and um, I wasn't willing to put down the sugar or flour at that point, and um, I lost 140 pounds within um, a couple years. And then in 2003, I kind of got I don't know. I, I got discouraged is basically is because I recognize now I was still eating compulsively, only I was eating squash. <laughs> and I would just eat big pans of squash with salsa on it and um, and eat salad. And um, so I lost the weight, but my stomach wasn't shrinking. I wasn't able to um, – I still couldn't go out and eat a normal meal. I'd have to eat something before I – went or I have to eat something when I got home so I kind of got discouraged so I just got back into the food for a couple years maybe a year and a half to two years and during that time I gained 40 pounds and I just got so discouraged and um so I went to another program and that program um was very strict very strict and they gave me this food plan and I cried (laughs) I said, four ounces of this, six ounces of that, 12 ounces of salad. I didn't think it was a possible possibility, you know. But the miracle was, after I was given that food plan, I went to the store to buy something else, and God put, if you know, I don't have much of a memory, God put everything on that food plan in my head to buy that day. And I started, and that's when I started the no sugar, no flour, and weighing and measuring. And that's when I came to love OA. And when I was in that other program, they said, well, how did OA work for you? And I said, well, it worked when I worked it. And just something went off, and I came back, and I've been back ever since. And... um that's the only thing in this program that I've done perfectly is keep coming back no matter what because this is the last house on the block for me. And let's see. So um, let me see here what I got here. So when I came back, I just fell in love with OA. I started doing service. I started doing what was suggested, and I started reporting my food. I started weighing and measuring, and I just um, did – I just loved it. I fell in love with the program. I just, um, it's not easy, you know, but it's so worth it. The blessings are just amazing. 
Anyway, okay, so I went along. In 2006, I got to my goal weight. There's one picture there that shows me at 164.5. That is my favorite picture in the world because um, my nephew took that picture and posted it on a bunch of them online. And I said, who's that? Who's that pretty girl? And for somebody who felt like a freak their whole life, when I saw that that was me, I just thank you, God. You know, God has been a very important part of this journey for me. So that's the, um, so I went along um, till 2010, doing good, staying about, you know, 164 and one, between 164 and 170. And um, then I retired from work. And the other big piece was I was white knuckling it when I lost the, all that weight. I was not, I kept hearing people trust in God, you know, let God guide you, but I did not understand it. And so I just, I, I didn't know how's he going to stop me from going to the refrigerator. You know, how's he going to stop me from getting that omelet that I want? How's he going to, you know, I didn't understand so when I retired, I got into um, a kind of, you know, I didn't go into a full-blown relapse until maybe the last year of it. I kept trying. I'd get a month. I'd get two months. I'd get six months. I'd get three days. You know, I'd start to feel better, and then I'd eat again. So I did everything that we know that we do. We just, even though I kept coming back, even though I kept working program to the best of my ability, there was something missing. So the real miracle was I came to the convention at Melpitas in 2016 in June, and a light bulb switched on. And I realized in six years I'd gained six, 60 pounds. I, I gained about 10 pounds a year. And I I saw a picture on a um, Costco card that they'd taken many years ago. And, and it wasn't until then I realized, you know, even though my clothes weren't fitting, I was wearing bigger clothes, I just didn't get that, you know, oh, well, if I go up another five pounds, I'll consider that real. If I go up another five pounds, you know, well, I went up 60 pounds and down, down um really recognize it but something clicked on that convention and things just changed for me and I started putting things in place that I needed to do and then in um, January so a couple years before that so backtrack a little bit God had given me a picture of my abstinence in my head he showed me a plate of food with protein salad and veggie I thought well that that can't be true That can't be true. I can't do that. So it took me a couple years to recognize that, oh, that's what he meant, you know. And um, so I I start cutting things out after that retreat. I start exercising, and I went um, in January was when I really cut out, you know, sweetener and the things that weren't working for me. And... um, this is where perfectly imperfect comes in for me. You know, I'm not as strict on my, my food plan as I used to be. I just um, do the best I can one day at a time. Okay, so um, let me see what I got here. So anyway, basically for six years there, I was slipping and sliding, you know, and I just, um, 
that last year I just gave up. I remember I have an OA buddy, and I remember calling her on the way to church from Taco Bell where I had bought all this food and just sobbing, you know, not knowing what I was going to do, you know, just not knowing what I was going to do. I was just so brokenhearted that there I was on the way to serve my God, and here I was eating compulsively. That was before the retreat. That was, I mean, before the convention where I kind of had a light bulb going off in my head. Anyway, so um, so anyway, my abstinence in January of 2016, yeah, it must have been 15. I'm not sure what the years are. So I, um, I started listening to God this time. That is the big difference here. I started listening to God. How much more time do I have? Almost in 10 minutes. I have 10 minutes? Almost. Okay. And um, so I distracted myself there a little bit. Um, So basically I started paying attention to what God was showing me. I mean, I just recently had something critical happen. I I was going to... do something in August. Now, I wanted to lose this last 10 pounds before August. And I was just beating myself up on a daily basis because I, I hadn't lost the weight. You know, but what I did was I turned it over to God. And while he'll do for me what I cannot do for myself, I still need to follow my food plan. I still need to work a program. And the action plan is it's been such a gift for me. Um I report to my OA buddy. I talk to my sponsor regularly. I sponsor people. I just do whatever I need to do to keep connected. I do service. Okay, let me see where I am here. So I did, you know, I just got so many blessings from this last relapse because I did not realize what I while I was going through it how it affected my mind and how foggy I was. And, and, you know, I do volunteer work, and I would dread going to do it. And I would dread going to church, and I would dread going to meetings. And I just, and I didn't even recognize it during a time. It wasn't until I got absent that my mind cleared I love doing the things I do. You know, I I enjoy volunteering. I enjoy doing service. I love meetings. But during that six years, I just did it because I had to do it. I didn't do it because I wanted to do it. I just knew to do the next right thing. And that's a biggie for this program. You know, we don't always know what God's will is for us. But we do know certain things. We know that if what we do isn't kind and loving, then that's not God's will. We know if we eat that extra bite that that's not God's will. That's my will. When I want that extra bite, I want that extra thing. That is not God's will for me. God wants the best for me. And um, so even though we, we're not sure of, the, of what God's perfect will for us, those are the things that we do know. So... Um, so what, what I've learned from the, my relapse this time is just to trust God and let him guide me. And he does guide me. He does um, put oatmeal in the, 
in my head instead of bacon and eggs. You know, he does. If I let him, I have to pray about it. And um, the perfectly imperfect, I just do not do this perfectly at all. I just do it to the best of my ability. I never understood that. The other thing from the previous, the first relapse, the, the, the gift I got from that is one day at a time. Because I, didn't, I, I couldn't face not doing certain things the rest of my life. But I can face it just for today. I can eat that way just for today. Tomorrow might be different, but just for today, one day at a time, that became really important after my first relapse for me. And I, I commit to my food plan every day. That's, and do I, like I said, I don't do it perfectly. I change it up sometimes. And the only thing, the only thing I've done in this program perfectly is that I kept coming back. I just love this program. I love the people. And this is a deadly disease. We've had people die from this disease. We had a very beloved friend die in the last couple of years. We've been in the program for 15 years and just could not take off the weight, could not get abstinent. So it is deadly. It may not kill you like a heroin overdose will kill you, but it, it is going to kill you. And um, I originally gained the weight to kill myself. I made a conscious decision to gain weight so that I wouldn't have to actually commit suicide because I was so miserable. And, um, and it wasn't until I gave my heart to God that I ever even considered losing the weight. And then I realized I'm probably not going to drop dead. I'm probably going to have a stroke or a heart attack or something first, you know, and so be incapacitated. But I couldn't even stand up at church to worship God. I had to, I had to sit down. And so that's why I started coming to OA. So some of the gifts I, I got, you know, is I already mentioned the clarity of mind. Um, I enjoy today, and I look forward to life. I've lost 50 pounds in the last two and a half years. And um, the one thing is that I never lost hope. And also with all the abuse that I suffered, I got a lot of outside help. So there's no shame in getting outside help. If you need outside help, get outside help. Because while the 12 steps are great and very healing, a lot of us have been molested, and a lot of us have been hurt. And um, we just need professional help. I needed professional help. You might not need professional help, but I needed it. And I was probably in um, therapy, I don't know, 15 years altogether, just, you know, because it was pretty severe. But not everybody has to do that. So uh, just one last thing here, if I can find the paper here. So I just wanted to read some quotes from John Kay that I heard recently. A Vision for You is a great website to hear speakers. And, and they go through the big book every day, but they also have a Sunday edition that can be an hour and a half to two hours, and people speak for about an hour, and then they answer question, they ask questions and stuff. So it's very good. And I think it's on the minute, our Valley Voice for um, Sac Valley OA. Okay, so John Kay, he wrote, somebody asked him, where do you go with the pain? And he said, you put down the food and pick up the 12 steps. 
I thought that was so powerful. And, and, and this is exactly what I did. I give it away. My higher power doesn't take it away. I gave away my abstinence. Both times, I gave them away, not anybody else. And nobody started abstinence on Monday. <laughs> and never talk to yourself worse than you would a child. So don't beat yourself up, you know? So if, if you can't apply it to you, just think of what you would say to somebody else. You know, like, would you tell somebody else they're a terrible human being? They're not lovable like we do. Would you tell yourself that you're not worth it? Well, we do tell ourselves we're not worth it. I, mean, I did, you know. I thought I was a horrible, horrible human being. But would I say that to a child or to my friend? No, I wouldn't say that. So just be kind to yourself. And it's a process, and it's not perfection. Perfection, not process. Perfection, not progress. <laughs> I was close. <laughs> anyway, thank you guys so much for hearing me out. And um, I love you guys. You are my family of choice. I, um, I have a birth family. I have adopted family. And I have you. And you are very close to my heart. Thank you. Thank you, Anna. Our second guest <clears throat> this morning is Lynn from Santa Rosa. Good morning. My name is Lynn. I'm a gratefully recovering compulsive overeater. Hi, Lynn. Hi, and gratefully recovering from a cold. Um, 20 minutes, right? 20. Okay. We'll, time. we'll, we'll give you a 10 minute. 10. All righty. Right. So um, I normally wouldn't come to a workshop on relapse and recovery because uh, I figured out what to do instead of relapsing. But I signed up for this workshop because I am an expert. <laughs> and, um, and I'm very grateful to be here. This is part of my recovery and part of my keeping me from relapsing is coming to events where I can meet the same people from other events coming to conventions and coming to other things. Everybody's looking over there? Can you hear? Okay. All right, then I'll speak up. Um, I came from a family of compulsive overeaters or alcoholics. So of the three daughters of my grandmother, two of them were raging alcoholics, and my mother chose to be an overeater. And um, they were all thin. They were smokers also, <laughs> thin. And we were all heavy set in our family. Uh, we chose food. Food was a way of showing love. Food was a way of, of saying things without words that we couldn't say. Um, and baking was a large part of my teenage years, having friends over and baking and actually eating the whole thing, whatever we baked. So... Um, I have a grandmother who was kind of a recluse. She lived in the forest, which is somewhere out in Mendocino, and was tremendously overweight. Um, and I used to go visit her over the summers because for two weeks I could eat any way I wanted to. Um, and we used to concoct things that today I'm ashamed to mention, but I am allergic to maraschino cherries because of those summers. 
uh, because I used to eat them by the jar, which, you know, I don't know if you know those things, but... So, um, when I got... I struggled with weight all through high school, and high school was uh, really hard. I lived up... I lived in Southern California. Um, Parties were always pool parties, and I didn't go because I didn't have a bathing suit that I would wear in public. Um, Or if I went, I made an excuse why I couldn't swim. So I didn't have to wear a suit because I was so embarrassed about my body. I was so embarrassed about um, my weight, and I didn't know how to stop the eating. And so I did try a couple of programs. Uh, I do remember as a teenager uh, in middle school crying a lot because I just went going to shopping with my mom for clothes for school was horrible, horrible, because they either fit on the top but not on the bottom, which was mostly the case, but, or vice versa, and I just would come home in tears with no clothes to wear to school because I just couldn't take it. Uh, it was tra- and my mother admitted later it was very traumatic for her, too, because she couldn't do anything to fix that. So I found out that one of the girls at school had lost a lot of weight, and uh, so she said she was using diet pills. So I convinced my mother to take me to the doctor, and we got some diet pills. And that was great. I lost a ton of weight, and I became a nervous wreck, and I didn't sleep, but I was thin. And my mother yanked me off of them the day we were standing at a crosswalk in the city, and I just walked right out in the street without even looking because I was just crazy. And she yanked me off the diet pills, and I started to gain weight and also become more lethargic because eating made me lethargic. And I wasn't used to being non-lethargic. You know, I wasn't used to having energy or being peppy or being excited. I was used to being numb and, and that. So uh, after middle school, I started doing various things. I started a weight loss program where I got weighed all the time. I jumped on the scale, and I figured out how to do that one really fast. Uh, binge for three days and starve for four and jump on the scale, get the claps, and then go home and binge And I slowly lost weight on that, but I couldn't keep it off. Um, When I got to college, I found another tool to help stay thin, and that was smoking. A roommate of mine said, you know, try this. And so I started smoking, which um, I shouldn't have done because I had a, a childhood asthma problem, and I know smoking wasn't it, but I got thin. And that was my goal, getting thin. So, um... When I moved moved to Germany after college, and I didn't speak the language, so I continued to smoke. And in Germany, it was more uh, acceptable to smoke because Europeans at that time in the 80s smoked a lot. And I stayed thin all through that time period. But when I came home from Germany nine years later, I was slender, but I was having a lot of problems with the smoke, smoking, coughing, coughing. Even once I passed out, I got up in the morning and I had a cigarette and passed out. So I realized, I've got to stop this. And I began to search for a spiritual path at that point in my life. I think I was about 28, 29. And I uh, found one, and one of the commitments I made in order to do that was to abstain from smoking. And I stopped. And I got a lot of support from my group, and I picked up the food. Food had always been there but not in this mass quantity that I used to eat. So I, I began to eat, and um, in 1990, well, yeah, 1991, um, a series of events, um, five, four people in my family passed away. 
most of them suddenly. And at the same time that was going on, my very best friend was dying of leukemia. Uh, we didn't think she was dying, but we were all ready to do the bone marrow transplant, but she didn't make it, and she died. And I, I lost it. Five people who I loved, gone. And I didn't know how to deal with the grief, so I went to a counselor for grief counseling in Berkeley. Um, and I would go there. She was a wonderful woman, and I, I really did a lot of work on the grief and the letting go of all the things in my life that had terribly disappointed me. So it was grieving over many things. But I cried and cried and cried while I was in therapy, and it was over the food. I couldn't stop eating. And so one day she said, you know, Lynn, I'm putting my daughter through UC Berkeley on the money you're paying me for this counseling, but I can't move beyond the fact that if you're eating, you cannot really recover your grief because you're picking up these mass quantities of food. Uh, In fact, I used to go from the counselor across the street to the restaurant before I went home. And uh, she wrote her, she says, I have a friend, she's lost 80 pounds, and she's kept it off for like six years. And keeping it off for six years were the words I needed to hear. I could lose weight on cigarettes, programs where I jump on a scale, but I could not ever keep it off. In fact, when I was in high school, going back to that, I lost my weight on that program. I went out and bought a beautiful sky blue and white bathing suit. It was a bikini. I went to the pool party. I was surrounded by like eight or nine guys, and I freaked out because I never had any attention from boys. And all of a sudden, here I was in this cute suit, and uh, I went home and I binged. And that was the end of that. I wore it once. So for me... My sexuality was involved with that. I thought, you know, I, you know, you know that story. So um, in the counseling, um, she wrote her na- this name. She said, here's the name of my friend, and here's her phone number. And so she gave me her business card. I went home and put it on my dresser, thinking, I'll call. A month later, she got out the card again, wrote another name. Here, call my friend. Here's her number. I put that on my dresser. And one day I realized I have like six business cards there. So I thought, I would never call a stranger and talk about my weight. So I said, F it. I said, I'm just going to go to a meeting. So she, oh, she told me, she's in a program called Away. And I thought, A-W-A-Y, what's that? I said, okay, I'll go Away. And actually, (laughs) she said, um, oh, I couldn't figure out what to do. I skipped a part. She said, Uh, She would look for a weight program for me because I just returned from Germany and I didn't know what was going on here. So she said, well, I found two programs. One is up on Solano Avenue. Uh, It costs $4,000 for two weeks, but you will guaranteed not be an overeater after that. And I told her that would never happen for me. I would pay the $4,000. I knew that wouldn't work for me. And I didn't, thank God, I didn't have $4,000. The other one was away. So I said, away, away. So I looked up away, and I couldn't find anything. Back then, we had to use the phone book. And so I called her, and I said, I don't find this in the phone. She says, yeah, it's Overeaters Anonymous, OA. I said, oh, okay. So I went to my first meeting in Berkeley, and I remember somebody who spoke yesterday in the evening who I saw at that very first meeting I went to. Thank you. And I got into the program. 
I did everything I was supposed to do. People kept reminding me that the steps are numbered for the intellectuals because like the play last night, I wanted to skip right to step four, five, and six and make all my amends, you know. And I did one, and it turned out to be a disaster. And he said, you know, one is important, and two and three. So we're going to, because you're so smart and so unique, my sponsor said, we're going to work the steps in order. So um, I worked the steps with my sponsor, but honestly, they gave me a food plan back then in 1991, and I could not keep it. My history back then was one week of abstinence and then slip. One week of abs, two weeks of abstinence, slip, three weeks. So we began to talk about acceptance, and I began to think, well, I'm just going to accept that's my story, that I'm always going to be a slipper. And I remember that um, I used to hang up on my sponsor a lot. She'd say something. And I- <laughs> How many of you have ever hung up on your sponsor? Yeah, <laughs> you're like me. <laughs> I used to hang up on her, but then a week later, I'd show up at her doorstep in tears saying, please, can I come back? And she, of course, you know, we live close. So I, my whole history was um, slipping and sliding the whole time, and I thought that's the way it's going to be. Uh, everybody's story is different. That's my story. So uh, I eventually lost and got to my goal weight somehow. Um, I used to be the one in Berkeley who held up my pants and said, these are the pants I used to wear, and this is what I look like now, which is like you see on TV. And... Um, I dated appropriately for the first time in my life because sexuality was an issue. I met a man at a recovery meeting. I went to, um, I, we got married. I moved. Okay, so I, got, I met a guy. That was hard. I got married. That's a big one. I moved to a town which was, I thought, like a cow town, Santa Rosa, which is not, uh, from Berkeley, you know, from the big city. And uh, that's three, three big hits, right? I mean, death was the other one, you know? So uh, I gained back 10 pounds a year for nine years. So you can do the math. I'm a history, I was a history teacher, so you can do the math. And that was, that was a lot. I asked my husband once, um, how much do I get to where you're going to divorce me because I'm too fat? He just picked a number. He said, about 300. And I thought, oops. You know, because I'm moving towards that. Give me another couple of years. So I went back um, into OA. And, I mean, I was in OA, but I went back um, I went um, to meetings. And, oh, the, the next one was I got pregnant. And I was 44. And I was going to have my baby. And I gained weight for that, of course, because that was okay. And I lost weight because of the breastfeeding. And after that, I thought, I don't need OA. I know how this program works. I'll work the steps. I'll, I'll talk to myself. I'll continue to pray. Uh, I don't need all those meetings. I don't have time. I have a baby. In fact, um, I'm known for the... I was the woman they had a business meeting about because I wanted to breastfeed in the meeting. It was a woman's meeting. So I brought my newborn baby because I was desperate as a newborn mother, I mean, as a new mom. And food was crazy when I was breastfeeding because I could breastfeed but then eat a lot and it would go away. But then after, I gained a lot of weight. So they had a business meeting about whether or not I could breastfeed in the business meeting. And uh, they voted yes. And that was so sweet because I've never needed a meeting more than I was a new mom because I became a milk cow and I was no longer the unique, intelligent woman that I thought I was. 
Well, I went out of OA for three years, and I gained 90 pounds plus more back. And that was hard. But when I came back, I don't know why I came back. I just decided I can't do it on my own. I came back, and all the people that I knew in the meetings in Santa Rosa hugged me, welcomed me back, gave me their number, and I began to really work the program. So for the next 10 years, I worked the program. Guess what? I'm slipping and sliding the whole time because I just didn't get some things. And I, they said, take what you like and leave the rest. I would never say that to a newcomer, ever, because I chose steps one and two and skipped three. I skipped four. I liked nine. Ten I didn't want to do. Eleven was easy. You know, and 12, those were easy. So I p- picked and choose what my sponsors told me. You know, they would say, you know, you know, Lynn, what really helps me is, thank you, and I'd say, well, that may work for you, but it doesn't work for me. Um, remember I used to hang up on my sponsor? Well, now I just said, oh, yes, I'll try it. They said, won't you write? Oh, yes, I will write. I didn't write. Won't you try this? You know, and so about a year ago... Um, what I did in that last time since I came back is I stayed the same way for 10 years. To me, that was victory because I didn't gain 10 pounds a year. And I would share that. I said, I'm not gaining. I'm gaining and losing three or four pounds, but I'm not going up. That, to me, was a huge victory because I was really scared where I was going. So um, last year, I had... Um, a lot of issues. Oh, one of the things that really helped me in relapse was I decided to go to a nutritionist instead of using people's food plan um, because I live a very active lifestyle and it never worked for me. And my nutritionist said, Lynn, I don't see how you could possibly survive on what you're doing because I had to write down my food for a week. And so she said, here's a new food plan. And she gave me a food plan, which, which was amazing to me. I said, I have to eat all that? And I did, and I started losing weight because I was not eating big meals with nothing in between and then doing a lot of physical exercise and working hard all day. I had many smaller meals and snacks, smaller meals, snack. She was trying to keep my blood sugar from dropping because I have a tendency for that, and that's when I would binge. So I got a, her f- a food plan from a professional. Um, she talked about a professional. I went out for professional help. Um, and the three tools that I was willing, now I was willing to do what my sponsors told me to do because I really wanted to lose weight. I have a 19-year-old son. Um, I'm 65. I don't want to have a stroke. I don't want to have a heart attack. I mean, I'm not afraid of dying. I'm afraid of having a stroke, and my son's going to have to take care of me for the next 60, well, 30 years, however I last. That was my fear. All three of my medical problems, my doctor said, have to do with weight. And for my knee problem, he said, you know, Lynn, every pound you lose is going to help your knee problem, besides the other things that we did. And so I realized, wow, all my medical problems are due to my weight, Um, high blood pressure, knee problems, because there's nothing wrong with my knees. I don't need a replacement. But it's the weight, the extra weight and what I was doing and standing all day. And the other one was a common female problem that has to do with weight, which drags you down. I won't go into it, but um, he said all those things would be relieved if you can lose the weight. So I stuck with my nutrition plan, but that was, that was not enough. I began to listen to my sponsors, and I've had amazing sponsors, and my current sponsor is, 
I, I can't say enough how patient she is about saying, you know, what works for me is... And so I decided maybe OA isn't working for me. But I knew there was nothing else because I heard you guys. I know you guys. I've seen you at conventions. I know it works. And I was angry because I thought, how come it works for them and it doesn't work for me because I'm pretty darn smart and I can do what they do. Well, no, I wasn't doing what they were doing. And they had to tell me in minute detail what they were doing. I never go into the kitchen after dinner. Wow, what a concept. I don't even go in there to put my dirty dishes away. I just leave them. I will not go in the kitchen. Um, I also began to go to every single OA event that there was. Birthday in L.A., convention here, sign up for service outside of my area, R2, world service I went to. It was amazing to meet the people who are living, thank you, living the OA program. And yesterday they mentioned being committed so the three things uh, that I thought up this morning is, number one, service for me has totally engaged me in OA actively. It's not just, yeah, it's something I go to three times a week. Active engagement. Um, my parents lived on a sailboat in Long Beach. And for me, service is like an anchor. If you are on a boat and you're out anchored at the Channel Islands, somebody has to stay up all night to make sure your anchor doesn't slip if you haven't done it right. Because if your anchor slips in the middle of the night, you're going to crash on the rocks. Okay, So I service for me is like an anchor. I toss it out there, and it holds me to the program. And I may flail a little bit, but it holds me. So putting something out in the future, I booked this convention the day it opened because I knew I wouldn't want to go. So I went ahead and booked it. <laughs> I booked the room and everything. So for me, service is my anchor. Um, thank you. Uh, meditation, I used to think that meditation was a bunch of hooey. I mean, I'm pretty smart, you know, I'm, I'm Germanic background. I mean, this just, but I, despite my sponsor, I decided to meditate. And I was sitting in my family room, which is next to the kitchen, and I um, thought, what am I going to do? So I sat there quietly, and I heard the hum of the refrigerator in the background. And I thought, oh, there's a sound. I need a sound to clear out my brain. I meditated to the hum of the refrigerator. <laughs> And I called her and I said, my God, it worked. It worked. And I felt emotionally balanced. I felt serene. Those voices in my head went away. And so even though I don't believe in meditation, I do it because it helps me to center and it helps to clear my brain of all the craziness which drives me to eat. And the last thing, um, it also prepares me to pray. So I clean out my brain. And my last thing, and I want to close with, is my 10th step. I, somebody said, oh, 10th step, just put your head on the pillow and think about the things that passed on during the day. Well, okay, I did that, and I fall asleep. But my sponsor said, okay, here's my 10th step. Try this. I couldn't do that. So I went out and got five other 10th steps from people in the program, and I wound up doing the one she gave me. So I am terminally unique, but I eventually get there. So my stubbornness, one of my character defects, has turned into perseverance. My people-pleasing has turned into God-pleasing. And all my character defects, I get to look at every single evening with my 10th step. I'm really grateful for that because sometimes I don't want to do it, but I do it. So I am really grateful for this program. I know OA works. I know for me there is no other way. So if there is no other way, how do I work it? Just like my marriage, there's no other way, so I have to take measures to figure out how to work my marriage. And even if that uh, 
requires outside help. And one of the things uh, two sponsors have pointed out to me is that I'm a candidate for another program because every time I ate, it was over the same thing, my relationship with my husband, the arguing, the fighting. And why doesn't he do what I want him to do? So I went to another program to learn how to get my husband to do what I want him to do. <clears throat> and so with that, as, a, as an addition to OA, I have been able to maintain my abstinence, and I've dropped. I don't weigh myself because it's a trigger. It's a major trigger. Uh, I used to weigh myself on a kilo, kilogram scale, which I brought from Germany. But you know how fast you can calculate 86 to 2.2 times 2.2? I could figure that out in a snap. So my doctor weighs me and tells me how I'm doing. Um, and I've gone down five pant sizes. Pants were always the bane of my existence, buying pants. And I'm down to five pant sizes from when I started. And that is my abstinence. So I am grateful you're here. Uh, relapse is hard. But the fact that you're here means you're willing to work on it. And I've learned to listen to my sponsor. It worked for her. It'll work for me. And I thank you for coming. And have a great convention. <laughs> thank you, Lynn. Um, I'd like to introduce our third speaker. And she is Mimi from Elk Grove. Hi, I'm Mimi. I'm a compulsive overeater. Thank you to our speakers. I've picked up a couple of things. Um, well, let me qualify first. Um, I've been in this program for decades. <laughs> really, decades. I started in San Jose. If there's anybody here from San Jose, please say hello. I came in in 1980, went to the Sunnyvale meeting at 7.30 on Tuesday nights. Um, I lost 100 pounds, and I kept it off in OA one day at a time for 18 years. That's a long time. Uh, a bunch of stuff happened. I'll go into that in a minute. And... Um, I forgot that I was a compulsive overeater, and I think I also forgot that I was beautiful. And I went into relapse, and boy, if anybody out there is in relapse, my heart goes out to you. That is the worst place to be. And I was in relapse for 10 very long, very hard years. Uh, I stopped coming back only for about a year and a half. Uh, I moved to another country, and they didn't have an OA meeting, and uh, I didn't start one. Um, and in those days, we didn't have online meetings. We didn't have, you know, there wasn't a lot of that stuff. So I was pretty isolated. And when I came back to the United States, uh, I went to Massachusetts, where nobody knew me, and I would go to OA meetings there. And by now, I had gained back 100 pounds. Um, and boy, was I in misery. Um, I think it's possible. I noticed that the, the title for this was 
a, you know, relapse workshop, welcome back. I don't think you always have to leave to be in relapse. Uh, I kept coming to meetings, and I was in relapse uh, for those 10 years. It was pretty bad. I've done a lot of thinking um, and some praying about what I'm supposed to say today. Uh, I really love to speak. Um, I've led OA retreats in three states. Um, I've spoken all over the place. But every, every time before I speak, I am scared to death. And every time, and this morning was no exception, I said, why did I say I'd do this? I just scares me to death. Um, and then I get up here and talk, and I'm, I have fun. Um, I do have a picture, and that kind lady there is going to pass it around. Um, that's a picture of me in 2007 uh, when I had gained back my 100 pounds. Um, I think I was born with that used car salesman in my head that says, eat more, you'll feel better. It just goes on and on and on. Um, I was trying to think of what, what little story I could tell you that would give you an example of how I've lived with that. I think when I was nine, my grandmother bought me this really pretty little outfit. I still remember it. It was blue. It had white tassels. It was just beautiful. And... She pointed out to me that the label in it, the size of it, was Chubette. And there was something wrong with, to her for my being a Chubette. I remember, I remember that vaguely. Um, when I first started OA, I was searching around for abstinence. And I didn't trust anything, much less myself. And I certainly didn't trust God. And I, I decided uh, one day, I'd had a really shaky abstinence, and I decided I was going to go eat muffins. Okay. Um, in those days, there were actually muffin shops that just sold muffins. So I went to eat, uh, to buy a muffin to go. I shoved it in my mouth when I was walking out the door of this bakery thing. And it was so sweet, and I hadn't had sugar in a while, that I, I went, ooh, bleh, and I threw it away. There was a garbage can out there. And I went, okay, thank you, God. You're really with me. So then I get in the car, and I go, oh, no, I, wanna, I, want, that, I want a muffin. I just want a better muffin. So I go to another, this is an honest-to-God true story, and only those of you who are compulsive overeaters will know it's true. Um, so I go to another store, and I buy another muffin, honest-to-God. I walk out, shove it in my mouth. It's too sweet. I throw it away. I'm going, oh, good. okay, God, you're really helping me. So then I'm driving back home. I happened to live near a grocery store, Compulsive overeaters like to live near grocery stores. And I thought, oh, okay. Um, I really want a muffin. I'll just make my own. So I go into the grocery store. I buy all the ingredients 
for to make muffins. I come out to the car and I'm thinking God's not helping me. See, because I bought those, I bought all that stuff, and um, I got in my car. Honest to God, the battery was dead. <laughs> well, my middle name is Defiance. Somebody told me that once. I thought, oh, no, I'm so nice. I can't be defiant. Oh, yeah. And I'm obstinate instead of abstinent has been my story. So I think, well, okay, God, maybe you mean to help me, but never mind. I will walk home, and I will make this. I am going to eat it. There is nothing like the impetus of a compulsive overeater to overeat, right? And nothing like the refusal to hear the help. So I did. I went home, walked in my door, thought, oh, my God, what am I doing? God, really, you really have to help me. If you have somebody call me, I won't eat it. You know, I won't make it. So I started making it, and I'm going, see, nobody's called. God's not working according to my plan, right? The phone rings. It is another compulsive overeater. She says, what are you doing? (laughs) I say, I am making muffins, and I am going to eat them. And she says, go right ahead. No, you're not supposed to say that to me. What kind of help are you? Go right ahead. And then she said, if food solves your problems, go right ahead. Well, you would think that would be a good connection, that that would have worked. Do you think it worked? No. I... I cooked them, I sat down, I ate them. It was, they were hot, right? I was eating with one hand, and I was crying and wiping away my tears with the other. That's how much of a compulsive overeater I am. So this morning I wanted to... Well, remember something I read to share with you. Uh, We are each one of us an eternity. Each of us comes with a gift. And if we do not give our gift, the world misses out. And I didn't think that for a long time. So when I was absent those first 18 years, uh. I began to think that maybe I had won. (laughs) Don't ever think you've won. Um, And like others have mentioned, I I skipped, I took what I liked and left the rest of the steps. Um, And I didn't like, uh, well, I did one through three. I humored my sponsor and then I fired her because I didn't want to do four. Um, Then I got a little more brave, and I did four. Okay, thank you. Um, Then I kind of did, oh, so I did four and five, and then I kind of did six and seven. Those were hard. 
and I didn't like eight and nine, so I just didn't do them. So I did 10, 11, and 12. And it really comes back to bite you, uh, because after 18 years, I lost my abstinence. And it happened slowly, as people have mentioned. I kept changing the goalposts of what was okay with my weight. It was, well, it's a size 14, but I used to wear 26 and a half, so it's okay. And then it was 16, and it was, well, it's not 26 and a half, so it's all right. And then pretty soon it was 26 and a half. And I got on a scale in a doctor's office, and I weighed 250 pounds. And I thought to myself, oh, my goodness, football linebackers who are 6'3 don't weigh that much. I'm heavy for a football linebacker. And I'm short. Uh, All these years in the program, I've actually lost three inches, which makes you go, you know, just a really, it's the pit. So I think people have asked me, well, what happened to you? What what happened in your relapse? And I have said again uh, that I lost sight of the fact that I was beautiful. You know, I don't know if you've heard this, but um, I will believe the truth about myself no matter how beautiful it is. And I kind of forgot that. Um, I had a lot of emotional stuff going on, and I didn't want to walk through it. And in relapse, and somebody's kind of referred to this, everything for me was muted Everything was gray, not 50 shades of gray either. (laughs) Everything was gray. It just, you know, and you don't know that because you get so far into it. And then you start to find some life. So I think what started to turn me around, um, I want to hurry here. I wrote a, a very long prayer along many years ago that I want to read to you. I've edited it a little, and I want to close with that. But before I get there, um, I think I've never been... I always tried to shame myself into abstinence. And you know what? That just will never work. It will never work when I shake my finger at myself and say, you really have to be abstinent. Really, haven't you had enough? Isn't it time you really have to start to be abstinent. No, 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 no. That, that doesn't work for me. I've tried to health myself into abstinence. I had a doctor once tell me if I didn't lose 25 pounds, he wouldn't do surgery on me. And he said, and you're so fat, you'll die on the table. He really said that. And what, did I do? what do you think I did before the surgery? I went out and gained 25 pounds. So that, none of that has been a trigger for me to, a trigger in a good sense to move into abstinence. What has been, and I've thought a lot about this, is beginning to believe that my life can be more abundant. It's beginning to hope that my life can be different. It's beginning to recognize that I am beautiful. And 
it's beginning to trust that maybe a higher power can help me. It's a lot like jumping off a cliff. You never know if there's going to be a net under you. But by God, it's worth it one day at a time. So I've been in recovery number two for 10 years now. And I lost 100 pounds again. Thank you, God. And it's not because there's anything special about me. It's only that the program works. Uh, If you look on page 88 in the big book, there is a one paragraph of two sentences. The first sentence is two words, and the next sentence is three words. So I, I highly recommend looking that up. I won't tell you what it says. Uh, Boy, I was going to say a lot of other stuff, but what I really want to do is read this prayer with your indulgence. Um, Somebody asked me a long time ago, I was in a yoga class. She uh, was obese, and I take, I'm very careful about what I say to other people. So I just mentioned to her, oh, this yoga exercise was so much easier because I've lost 100 pounds. So I wait, and then she said, oh, how did you lose it? And I go, oh, yeah. So at that moment, I said, I pray. And she was one of the few people who ever said to me, what do you pray? And so I sat down and thought about, I wrote a prayer that was a compilation of all the different prayers I'd ever said up to that point. And I put a lot of program into it. And I gave it to her, and I don't know what ever happened with that. Um, so here's the prayer. Uh, it's been published in a couple of OA things, and I've, I've edited it uh, two weeks ago with a bit of a new perspective. So, God, the God I do not understand and cannot define. Here are some things I know. I know I am beautiful in your sight. I know that you love me as if I were the only person in the world. I know that I do not need to lose weight to be given your love. And I know that I do not need to lose weight to be proud of myself or to make someone else proud of me or to gain anyone's love. I also know that you have given me a body that is a temple to be taken care of. In your mercy, forgive me for not taking care of it. Forgive me for damaging myself and for eating in a way that has made me so unhealthy in so many ways. Forgive me for moving away from you by seeking to heal myself with food instead of with you. Forgive me for the coat I have put upon me, for the bushel under which I hide my light. So those are some things I know. What I do not know is how to control my eating. What I do not have is the strength to eat in a healthy way. No matter how many times I lose weight, no matter how many diets I go on, just when I think I have it all solved, I overeat again, even though I don't want to. Rid me of my obstinance. I no longer need this extra coat. I am safe now. And I believe there's maybe a more abundant life for me here. You know, sometimes I'm so afraid you're not there 
but I will act as if and see what happens. And really, I'm tired, Lord. I'm beat. Lord, I give up. I can't do this by myself. Help me. So, God, I humbly make a decision today to turn this all over to you. Grant me the strength this day to eat in a healthy way so that I can move toward a weight that's healthy for my body just for today. Just for today, with your help, I can do what I could never do alone and what I could never do if I thought I had to spend my whole life doing it. I will go to any length to cooperate with you instead of driving around looking for muffins. When I hear your voice urging me to make a healthy choice, I will rely on your strength to do that. And I commit to doing that just for today. Just for today, when I am hurting, I seek to find my comfort in you, not in food. Just for today, when I am lonely, I seek to know you as my friend, not food. Just for today, when I remember the devastation and pain in my past, I will let it go to you. Just for today, when I am worried, I ask you to give me the serenity to accept what I cannot change and the courage to change what I can and the wisdom to know the difference. Just for today, when I feel wounded, I seek healing in you, not in food. Just for today, when I want more, more food, more happiness, more love, more attention, more peace, more things, I ask you to be my more. Just for today... When I feel guilty, I confess to you what is weighing on me, atone, and I accept your forgiveness with open heart. Just for today, I will list for you all the things I am grateful for at this moment. And at this moment, boy, I'm glad to be here. I'm glad to be alive. I'm glad to be in this room with all of you. And I feel really blessed that I have the opportunity to share. Just for today, I will seek to be a blessing to someone else, as you will. May I fulfill your purpose for me this day and let my light shine. I affirm that you keep your promises. You continue to carry me all the days of my life. I trust you will indeed help me this day. Thank you. Thank you, Mimi. I love that prayer and need a copy. Um, The meeting is now open for three-minute pitches. When you come up, please make sure that you sign the release form because we are recording these. We ask that you limit your share to three minutes and confine your share to your experience, strength, and hope on the topic discussed today. This session will end at 9.45. So who would like to share? You need to come up here, please.
you to sign out. Okay. Good morning. My name is Elizabeth, and I am a compulsive overeater, a food addict, and whatever other oral uh, diagnosis you want to put to it, I am. I'm, hi. I'm here because I am in relapse. I have tasted recovery. Uh, I came into this room in 2007. My highest weight was 200 pounds, and then I came down to 110 pounds, and um, I didn't think that was enough. So you see, I'm a nurse. I know all that you need to know, and a skeleton is just wonderful. All you have to do is put some clothes on it, and then it'll look good. I weighed all the time until my sponsor told me that she'll do the weighing, thank you. I uh, fired, well, I, you can't fire a sponsor because you don't hire him. Uh, I fired eight of them. I was a sponsor until life gave me a challenge. Oh, yes, I was compliant. Did I surrender? Absolutely not. I survived. I suffered and survived. My immigrant status taught me how to do that. I was born in Hungary, where things were very, very hard. My parents brought me here when I was 14, and I had to survive. You see, I had a number of languages under uh, my belt. None of them were English. So when I came here, I found that food was just wonderful, and you can even eat it with your hands. You didn't have to stand in lines. You could just eat as much as you want until the pain went away. The pain didn't go away. The pain increased as I learned to go to the golden arches and babysit and do all kinds of things just so that I can earn the money to feed my friend who was a false stand. Anyway, um, I... Uh, met my husband when I was young. Let me know when I'm going over, please. Um, and um, he was a young man. My, my mother brought him home, so guess who was coming for dinner? I was going to be a nun. And uh, he thought he was eight years older than I, so he thought that was really going to be a waste. So we dated for a few years, and then we got married. I did not know how to be a wife. And now I get to the relapse. I don't know how to be a widow. My husband died not quite a year ago. And we were wonderful partners. We had wonderful fights. You, you see, he wanted a good girl, and I was good, and I was also stupid. And uh, um, I didn't have beauty, but I had brains. I was a nurse, and I compensated for my oversize by getting degrees. I thought that if you could see my degrees that I have gotten, you could look past the size. Anyway, uh, what happened when my husband got ill, well, I thought I was a nurse, you know. The, dis the illness was not my choice. It was God's choice, and I fought it as much as I could. Anyway, make a long story, I came here because I want to get my recovery. Am I getting my recovery? I don't know. I got this ring. It's wonderful. It was only a dollar. I got these earrings. They're a dollar. And you see, I'm not compliant. You guys are all wearing your um, that way. I'm wearing it this way. But I hope to get recovery back because I want what I had before. And by the grace of God and with your help, I will get it. Thank you. Thank you. We have time for one more share only. Um, so who would like to recover?
Come on up. <laughs> faster, Mary, faster. <laughs> My name's Mary. I'm a um, compulsive reader. Hi, Mary. Hi, Mary. Um, so this morning, I really wanted to come to this session because um, I've been thinking about relapse, and I was thinking how, um, have I ever been out of relapse? Have I ever, ever been out of relapse from this disease? And I don't know. Um, so I looked it up this morning <laughs> on my little phone, and it said, suffer deterior, and I can't even say this word, deteriorate, you know what I mean, suffer a deterioration after a period of improvement. And um, some synonyms are revert, lapse, slip back, slide back, degenerate, as opposed to degenerate. And, um, <laughs> and so it gave me a little hope that in the last year I have had periods of improvement. Um, I have had periods where I have not lied to you about what I'm doing. I have not had to come in and pretend to be perfect to be loved and cared for <laughs> by the people in this program. And, um, and it's not enough. It's not enough. Periods of improvement are not enough. And um, so that was all I just wanted to say was um, that yes, I have had periods of recovery. Um, by this definition, um, and it's not enough. I want more. So thank you. Thank you, Sarah. Thank you, Mary. Mary. That is all the time we have for sharing. It's now time to close this session. Let's thank our speakers and all who have done service for this session. If you enjoyed this workshop, we encourage you to stop by the All-Star Media table to order copies of this session or any other sessions. All workshops and main speaker events are being recorded and are available on CD or as an electronic download. Please join hands as we close with the third step prayer that you'll find on page 8 of your program.